I invite you to turn with me this morning to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. In chapter 19, we'll be reading verses 3 through 18. You're going to have to bear with me this morning. This is one of those passages in the Old Testament that has a number of names that are difficult for us to pronounce. And so um, if I've learned anything from my wife, Lindsay, I've learned you just pick how it's pronounced and roll with it and everything's your, everybody thinks you're a pro with it. So I'm going, to do my, I'm going to do my best with some of these names. We're going to be considering a topic... Um, the topic, Hope for the Hopeless. And we're going to hopefully take a few lessons from the life of Elijah, the prophet in the Old Testament, and some of the things that he experienced and how we learn about the hope that Jesus offers us even in the midst of hopelessness, even when we feel hopeless and all alone in life. Hopefully I've stalled enough to give you some time to find First Kings chapter 19 beginning at verse 3. The word of our Lord. When Elijah saw that he was in danger, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die, saying, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And so he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him. And said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek my life also. So the Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain before me. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And so it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life also. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint 
Hazael as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel, Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your holy word this morning. We pray that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts to what you have for us this morning. And may we respond by trusting you with every bit of who we are and every part of our lives. Even when it seems as though we have no hope, we pray that you would give us hope. Even when it seems that we are completely alone, we pray that you would remind us of your nearness and that you would surround us by people who love us with your love. And we pray all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Have you ever felt like you have no hope? Like, no hope? None? The kind of lack of hope that can lead to despair. I think we've all been there before. We've all felt quite hopeless. In fact, hopelessness, it seems, is pretty common to the human experience. People all around us are filled with the vacuum of hopelessness. And oddly, hopelessness tends to lead to restlessness. You know, when you feel like you have no hope, you get no rest. Often, when we feel hopeless, we do nothing. And you would think intuitively that, hey, that means you're going to get rest. But even in our doing of nothing, we find no rest. We are restless. We can't relax. We can't calm our fears. We can't calm that, that loud, though quiet, hopelessness that we feel in our hearts. We unplug from life. We maybe detach ourselves from our friends and those that are close to us. And still we find no stillness. Nothing to quiet our souls. No rest for the weary. Have you ever felt alone? Like completely alone. Utterly alone. The kind of loneliness you feel deep down in your bones. It hangs around you even while you hang around others, perhaps. That sense of loneliness. Loneliness is common to those who are hopeless. And hopelessness is common to those who are lonely. The two seem to go hand in hand. They walk together. Those who are alone tend to be without hope. And those who are hopeless tend to be quite alone. You know, Elijah the prophet in the Old Testament... He felt both hopeless and alone. Coming on the heels of chapter 18, we read that Ahab the king had gone to Jezebel 
his wife. And what he said to Jezebel was far from thrilling, far from exciting. It filled her with anger and rage, and she swore a vow to kill Elijah, to hunt him down wherever she must find him. And Elijah is filled with dread. He's filled with with hopelessness, and he's filled with loneliness. And you hear it in his voice as the Lord comes to him twice and says, why are you here? You've got that repeated mantra, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and that's not the worst of it, they seek my life also. You've been there before. I'm the only one here doing what needs to be done. I'm the only one being faithful. I'm the only one that's, that's holding the mantle. I, I feel like I'm the only one in the boat with the paddle. That feeling of frustration and a loss for words. And the only words that come out of the mouth of Elijah are frustration and anxiety, fear, but also loneliness and hopelessness. The crazy thing about hopelessness is that it can spring up when you least expect it. That's how it was for Elijah. In chapter 18, Elijah had what was the greatest contest of his life on Mount Carmel, where all of the prophets of Baal were gathered together and Elijah had challenged them. You worship Baal and I worship Yahweh, our covenantal God, the one that we're supposed to belong to, the one we're supposed to be in relationship with, the one you have forsaken. And you offer your sacrifices to Baal and I'll offer my sacrifice, sacrifices to Yahweh. And whichever one is deemed God, the one true God, Him will serve. And Elijah had won that contest. He had reached a mountaintop experience in his life. A victory that was beyond any other victory before it. He was on the top. He was the man. He might have been and felt like the only man, but he was the man. He was at the top of life. He was at the peak. And within a couple of verses, he goes from that mountaintop to running for his life in fear and feeling like he was a complete failure. A a failure to God, a failure to his calling, a failure to his people. Hopelessness can spring up in our lives when we least expect it. It's often right after we get past that mountaintop that we rush down into the valleys of life. It can also come from a wide array of sources and directions. In our lives, we've perhaps felt hopelessness because of broken relationships, because of unseen illnesses, perhaps the diagnosis of a disease, finances, and the pressures that come with them. That that sense of my lot in life. 
Like I'll never be what I, I feel like I could be. I'm just stuck in life. It can come from depression or anxiety. It can come from all sorts of places in our lives. And it can express itself in a myriad of ways. For some of us, hopelessness and loneliness, those two twins that come together, they express themselves in numbness, where we have no sense of feeling. It's not not quite the same as apathy. It's just a, a complete numbness to life, a complete lack of emotion. For some of us, it it expresses itself in constant worry or perpetual stress where we can't stop thinking about those things that are occupying our minds that are adding more worry and more stress. Those things that we worry over and stress over, we keep worrying over and stressing over. They keep us up at night. They wake us up early in the morning. They come to our mind before the sound of our alarm does. For some of us, this sense of loneliness and this sense of hopelessness expresses itself in frustration, maybe even rage, outbursts. We snap at the people that we love the most. Perhaps even talk down to them. And for some of us, it leads to apathy. Hopelessness can express itself with a complete disinterest in life. A complete disinterest in the problem that's giving us so many problems. And these are just to name a few. We see hopelessness all around us. We see it in others. You've seen it. Perhaps this week you've seen it. Perhaps others see it in us. And when we see it, we don't like it, but we often don't really know what to do about it. What do you do when you're hopeless? What do you do when you're like the prophet Elijah and you feel like you're completely alone and there is no opportunity for a better future? There is no opportunity for a resolved problem. This is a message for each and every one of us. Perhaps you're at the point in life where you feel hopeless or where you feel alone. But if that's not you, I can guarantee you this. God has brought people into your life that are hopeless and alone. All of us at some point have felt hopeless. And all of us at some point have been alone and felt alone. And all of us, because of that, if we know to whom to turn, can help others who are there themselves. And so this is for all of us, regardless of whether you're on the mountain or down in the valley or somewhere in between. You might think, be thinking, Pastor, I've been on the plains for years. What are you talking about? I don't go up or down. I'm, I'm just chill. Wait, let me tell you this. You're surrounded by people who are not just chill. You're surrounded by people whose lives are falling apart. You're surrounded by people who don't know what to do next. Surrounded by people who are hurting and others who are just numb at life. 
And God has put you there. I want to share with you a few thoughts about this hopelessness and loneliness. Don't be alone. Find a friend. You know, humility is oftentimes admitting that you can't do it alone, that you can't cut it. Guys, it's about being man enough to admit that you're not man enough. Real quickly, look to your right. Now look to your left. And you're probably thinking, wait a minute, these are my family. These are people I came here with. Look at the back of the head of the person in front of you. And now make a, make a, a very quick, sneaky, sidelong glance over your right shoulder, the person behind you. You're surrounded by people. You're surrounded by other people who either are alone or are hopeless or have been alone or have been hopeless. So you're surrounded. We in our culture are not very empathetic. My wife can tell you I'm not the most empathetic person there is. I get frustrated with people. But we are surrounded by people who have the potential of being empathetic. People who have been there. People who have, who have played that game. People who have been on that mountain or down in that valley. Don't be alone. Find a friend. If you feel alone, you need a friend. If you feel hopeless, you need other people who can remind you. Other people like these people. Like this person. Who can remind you that as long as there's breath, there's always hope. You are never completely hopeless. Elijah thought he was completely hopeless. He thought he was completely alone. But no matter how alone you feel, you are not alone. Elijah wasn't alone, though it certainly seemed like it. And when he finally reached the end where he said, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I have nothing left in me to spend. I am completely spent. I am completely Hopeless, and I am completely alone. The Lord reminded him that, number one, his hope is in him. And number two, you are not as alone as you think you are. There are people that I can count on to do my work, and there are people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And there are a lot of them. It may not seem like a lot in the whole scheme of Israel, but it's enough. In God's hands, it's always enough. Because Jesus is our hope. And He is full of compassion. He is our hope. And so cling to Him in the midst of your hopelessness. He is full of compassion. So rest in His compassion. Rest in His compassionate and hope-filled embrace in your life. Because He can be counted upon. The Apostle Peter 
said, cast your cares upon Him, having humbled yourselves. Cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. He cares for me. And so we can count on Him. We can trust Him. We can cast all of what we have and all of what we bring in life, all of those anxieties, all of those fears, all of those frustrations, all of those failures, all of our apathy, and we can cast it upon Him. We can throw it at His feet and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I need You. There's an interesting line in the writings of one of the church fathers, Athanasius, when he's talking about Christ, and he's talking about how the eternal Son of God became fully man. He became one of us. The uncreated one, the one who hung the stars and the moon and the sun and the sky, the one who created all things, stepped into His creation and became a part of it. And Athanasius said, what has not been assumed cannot be healed. In other words, what what in our human experience Christ hasn't taken into His own experience, He cannot heal. He cannot fix. He must take on our brokenness and all of its capacities in order to heal them. And that includes our hopelessness. And that includes our loneliness. Because those are so deeply and intimately a part of the human experience. Christ must have assumed them. But in our minds, we might think, no, that's beneath Jesus. Certainly, He didn't ever feel hopeless. Certainly, He didn't ever feel alone. The prophet Isaiah reminds us, He is a man of sorrows. Speaking of Christ, He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is the one who pleaded with the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Please, let there be some other way other than the cross. He is the one who was forsaken by friends, betrayed, denied. He is the one who was left alone to die a humiliating and lonely death. And He is the one who also says, Come unto Me, all you who are weary. All of you who labor. All of you whose burdens are too much to bear. Come to Me and find rest for your weary souls. When He says that in Matthew's Gospel, it's in chapter 11, and in that chapter, a couple of very interesting things happen earlier in the chapter. The first is that his cousin, John the Baptist, his forerunner, is in prison awaiting death, awaiting his execution. And John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to Jesus to inquire, are you really the one? Are you really the Christ, the Messiah? Are you the one that we, that we have, the, you are the one that we've hung all of our hopes and all of our dreams and all of our wishes for redemption upon? Are you really the one that can do it? But then also you encounter a passage where Jesus laments, 
cities of his ministry that have rejected him, that have rejected his ministry, that have rejected the good news of his kingdom, which is coming. And so as one who himself is weary and who is himself heavy laden, He invites us, come unto me. There's rest here. There's hope here. There's someone that knows your pain and knows your hopelessness and knows your loneliness here. And you can find rest for your weary souls. There's always hope in Jesus. Because He is always full of compassion. He knows you more than you know yourself. He loves you more than you love yourself. And He invites you, come to Me. Trust in Me. Rest upon Me. You may not be able to handle it. You may not be big enough. But I can handle it. And I am big enough. And so it's in Him that we put our trust. And it's in Him that we trust our failures and trust our hurts and trust our disappointments in life. Because He offers hope to the hopeless. And He offers rest to the weary. I want to invite you to spend some time in prayer with me. We're going to sing a, uh, a, a one last song together. And as the band comes to prepare to sing that song, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, I, I trust that you have a uh, communication card, the little card. If there's anything that's going on in your life that you'd like for me to be praying for this week, I'm going to, number one, I want to get your name if you're a guest with us. Uh, so if you'll put your name on there, maybe an email address. David, you got some extras. Will you make sure that folks have them if, if needed? Um, but on the back, there's a place for you to share any, any concerns that you've got going on in life, things that I can be praying for in particular. Please know I'm, I'm going to be praying for you this week. And so this is your opportunity to tell me how to be praying if you want me to be praying about something specific. But also as we sing... I want to invite you to to pour out your heart to God. Um, There's room up here if you'd like to come and kneel and pray, then then you're always welcome to do that. And I can promise you that somebody will join with you and pray. It won't embarrass you or anything like that. And then after this song, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer up a pastoral prayer and and pray over uh, over our needs as as a people and. and help lead us in a time of prayer. And then afterwards, we will, uh, as the offering is, is taken up, if you'll drop those communication cards off in the offering plate, we would be very grateful for that. I'm the only one that sees those communication cards, so please know that anything you write on there is kept in complete confidence. Um, and I, I, won't, I won't say a thing, but I will, uh, I will be praying for you. Heavenly Father, Maker and Redeemer of all things, fountain and giver of all that is good. We love you and we praise you. Our words fall short in expressing your goodness. 
Your name is full of glory. Your mercy is everlasting and your faithful love knows no end. Thank you, O merciful Father, for the opportunity to worship you together this morning in the strong name of your Son, Jesus. Thank you for being near us and helping us to draw near to you. Thank you for comforting us with the grace of your Holy Spirit. Please fill us with your love. Strengthen us by hope and make us unwavering in faith. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are always faithful and you are always good. And we thank you. Lord, we celebrate this morning with Matt and Megan that they're expecting a baby. Lord, we rejoice with them and we thank you as the giver of life and the giver of all things that are beautiful. We pray that you would bless them, that you would watch over them, that you would continue to fill their hearts with joy and expectation. Lord, we pray that you would be with Megan and this little baby, that you would help them to be strong and healthy and to remain strong and healthy. Lord, we bring to you all of our needs and all of our concerns. Lord, you know each and every burden that we bear. You know everything that occupies our mind in this moment. You know those things that are weighing heavy upon our hearts. And we bring them all to you. And we lay them at your feet. And we pray that you would help us to trust you completely. To trust you implicitly. To trust you explicitly. To trust you in all things regarding our lives. Lord, help us, we pray. We pray for our ladies' retreat that's coming up, that you would bless our ladies, that you would be with them, that you would meet with them and minister to them and do works in their hearts that only you can do. Lord, we lift up our friend Nettie to you. We thank you so much for her. And we pray that you would touch her. Lord, as she's being diagnosed with cancer this week, we pray that you would give her strength, that you would lift up her heart, that you would touch her body, that you would be the great physician in her lives, that you would heal her and deliver her. Lord, help Billy and Jeremy and their family to rally around her and pour out love upon them. Lord, help us as friends to do the same. Lord, you are always good. You are always faithful. And we pray that you would help us to trust your goodness and to count upon your faithfulness in our lives. Almighty and everlasting God, please increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and love. And so that we may obtain what you promised to us, please help us to love what you command of us through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, we pray. Amen. Now may the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself Our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and good work. May we go in the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.